This is a summary of the life of this early church community. And this is uh, the church community that we are longing to become more and more like. So Acts 2, beginning at verse 42, says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Father, we pray that you would draw our hearts towards you now. Thank you for your word, and we pray that you would speak to us through it. Encourage us, build us up, and help us to live our whole lives for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So in following through this passage over the last little while, I'm going to recap briefly. We started off by saying that this is the kind of church community that we long to be. These um, 3,000 or so people that were following Jesus at this point went on to become the dominant religious force in the Western uh, Western world, the Roman Empire, within about 300 years. 3,000 people to a force that could overthrow an empire. And we wanted to see what was it about this community that made that possible. So two weeks ago, I looked at that first ingredient. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the teaching about Jesus, and they sought to live it out with their lives. Last week, Hannah did this amazing job of helping to us to think about the way that they worshipped. It says here that they broke bread, that's communion. It says that they met in the temple where you would go and praise God. And it also said that they praised God at home. This was a worshipping community in all manner of ways. And Hannah helped us to think about what that looks like and what that might mean for us. And if you want to listen back, head to our website or find our podcast online. Today we're going to think about a little word from that first line which says they devoted themselves to fellowship. But we're going to get there in a moment after we have a chance to think about something close to our, my heart at least. What would you say the defining TV program of your generation was? If you could kind of summarize what it was like to grow up when you did in a TV program, what might it be? Okay, X Factor and competitive being voted off kind of shows. We're, going, we're coming to Friends in a moment because I, no, 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 I think you're exactly right. Anybody else have a defining TV program or that thing that sort of seemed to uh, encapsulate a whole era? So sort of people watching, celebrity watching, people wanting to become celebrities, being watched by other celebrities. Okay. 
I would say, like Hannah, that as um, someone in my early 30s, the defining TV program of my generation was Friends. Um, it ended when I was halfway through secondary school, but then for about the next 10 years, it seemed to be on repeat for about six hours a day on Channel 4. Um, you could always find Friends. If you wanted Friends, it would be there somewhere. And I would say that that is the TV program that defined what it was to be a young person or a person kind of coming of age for me. Six friends, if you don't know, spent all their time together. They didn't seem to need to go to work because they could afford to drink coffee all day long um, and not have bosses that would ask them, why are you drinking coffee at uh, halfway through the morning? But these six friends, some family members, they fell in love, they fell out of love, they seemed to do everything together, they lived with one another, they were in and out of each other's homes. They seemed to have this amazing friendship. There was a laugh a minute, there was an adventure, an episode, and everyone loved it. It was funny and um, idyllic in many ways. I had a friend who said to me uh, a few years ago that what he was really looking for out of life was a community a bit like friends. Because he'd looked and watched for hours and hours these six people who, yes, they fell out, but they seemed to love each other completely. Yes, they had their ups and their downs, but they were with each other as they did it. And I think for so many people, me probably included, friends set this image that that's what life as a grown-up could be like. You might find five other people who you'll share your whole life with. You'll live with them, you'll be in and out of each other's homes every day. That's the, what it's going to be like. And yet, we know, don't we, that for so many people, that is just not the reality in fact, for most people, that isn't the reality. Friends set this aspiration that you're going to live like that. You're going to drink coffee all day, go on adventures together, and do life alongside the five people that mean the most to you. And while that's the aspiration of many, I read some statistics in putting this together that the reality for most people is not that. And the reality for many people is far, far worse. We know, don't we, that loneliness is rife in the UK even today. I read that 3.9 million older people here in the UK say that the TV is their biggest company. I read that one in 20 UK adults feel lonely often or always. 5% of the population, often or always. So while friends painted this picture of that's what life could be, the reality for so many people is isolation. We long for community, but we often only find ourselves isolated from other people, not quite knowing how to have those friendships, being separated from the people that we love. In our passage for this series, which we've read already, we see something woven through this group of people. It says that the followers of Jesus devoted themselves to fellowship. It says that all the believers, so 3,000 or so at that point, remember, it says that all of them were together. How do you get 3,000 people together? I'm not quite sure. And it says that they had everything in common. It says that they met together every single day to encourage one another. The aspiration for so many is community, it's friends, it's that kind of life. The reality for many currently is isolation and disconnection from other people. Maybe longing for that, but just not quite getting there. And what do we see in Scripture? We see that when the Holy Spirit falls on a group of people and they set about following Jesus together, 
we get a communal life that is unlike anything that I've ever seen before. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be part of this 3,000 or so strong group who met together daily, who shared everything that you had, who went through the ups and downs of life together as you were figuring out what it was to follow Jesus? That sounds like an amazing community to be part of. A group who chose to put everyone else in front of themselves to sell what they had in order to bring the proceeds and give it to other people. Who looked out for the needy, the sick, the poor in that group and prioritised them in their life. A crowd who met daily in all manner of places to the point where it wasn't a crowd but much rather a clan. This is what the Holy Spirit brought about as he fell on this group. As people got drawn into this church community, this is what happened. And this is what I long would happen here at St. Peter's. I'm not telling you this story just so that we can marvel at it from the past. Because I believe that the same Holy Spirit who brought this about in that community is amongst us here and now and can do the same and even more with us. If we're willing to follow the way of Jesus to open ourselves to the work of the Spirit and to be devoted to one another in fellowship. As I said at the beginning of the series, this church community wasn't perfect. They did have their fallings out. We read that through the rest of Acts. I'm not trying to put them on a pedestal and say, it's this and that's the kind of gold standard. There were things that went wrong. There was behind the scenes life, just like there will be anywhere. But all the way through it, they sought to put one another before themselves. It wasn't a perfect community, but it was a significant one. And it's the one that laid the foundation for us here today. It may not have lasted forever, but it does provide the blueprint for the church that we now pick up today. When I was 18, I left school and before going to uni, I did a gap year um, in Christian ministry. So I was a youth worker, basically. There were about 50 of us who did exactly the same program and came together for training and input. And then we were sent across the country to go and work in different communities. And as you would expect, through a year like that, we got really close because we were doing the same sort of thing. We were the same sort of age. We cared about the same sort of thing. And then for these sort of two weeks a year um, dotted through the terms, we were living in each other's pockets, essentially. I remember one time, about two-thirds of the way through that year, where me and probably the three people I was closest to out of that cohort, we managed to get a week off. I think it was half term or something like that. And one of the, our number, um, his parents said, oh, you know, if you want to get together, why don't you come to our house? Come and stay. So me and these three other people went to this amazing house near Oxford and had this week together. We knew each other really well. We enjoyed each other's company already. And we had this amazing week. When, to be honest, we didn't do loads of things. We did, you know, went to Oxford every um, once or twice in that time. But we just spent a lot of time with each other. And we enjoyed eating together, telling stories, sharing our highs and lows. And it was an amazing week. And I can remember driving away from it. And two of the people were from the States and they were going to be going home at the end of that year. One of them was going to go off to a different part of the country uh, to what I was then planning to do. And so as I left that, I kind of had this sense that we're probably never going to get together in the same way again. This four that we'd become so close, right? We're going to go across the country. Yeah, we can phone. Yeah, we can Skype or whatever the technology was then. 
but it's not really going to be the same again. And I remember driving away back to work and just crying in the car thinking, that was amazing. We had this great community. I loved being part of that group. And yet I knew that it was very unlikely we were ever going to be able to do it again, just because of the plans that we had. I still look back on that week really fondly. I don't keep in touch with those people as much as I might like. And that just shows how fragile these things can be. But I'm sure that for each of us, there are moments that we look back on, friendships, key groups that we were part of, different times in life where we had those people around us. And what I want to say and what I want to pray for us is that this community, those gathered here today, those that will gather with us over the coming weeks and months, those who will come to faith here, that we would be formed into the kind of community that we look back on in 10, 20, 30 years' time and say, what a great thing it was to be part of that group. I loved those people and they loved me and I still love them here and now. What we're doing in this series is kind of painting a picture of a future that we long to work towards. So that word used in the passage is fellowship. And fellowship is one of those words that's kind of fallen out of fashion. It's not used very often and particularly not beyond the church. If I was to say a word that had been used most commonly in its place, it would probably be community. And maybe I've said it myself even in this talk. I want to say something that might at first sound controversial, but hear my heart in it. I would say that community is about connecting with other people. I would say that fellowship is about connecting with other people and encouraging them towards a life with Jesus. Community is just about connecting with people, having friends, having shared interests, going to the same places at the same time, liking the same kind of things. Christian community, what the Bible would call fellowship, is about that, but it's also about spurring one another on towards Jesus. Community is great. We should have it. I long for more of it, and I long for us to find our way into many communities here in Bury. Friendship with other people, breaking down isolation, supporting one another through ups and downs. But community kind of could come anywhere, right? You could have a community at the gym that you go to and the people that you exercise alongside once a week. You might have a community of people at the school gates who you see regularly and you're kind of going through the same kind of things. You might have community from a shared interest or whatever it might be. Christian community, fellowship, is the aim for the church. It's having those friends alongside us, but it's also allowing those people to spur us on towards Jesus. It's having that depth of connection around what matters most, supporting one another and walking side by side in pursuit of Jesus. Ultimately, I would say that if you aim for fellowship, you get community thrown in. If you aim for community, you won't always get fellowship. You might have friends, but where's the faith? Where's the being spurred on towards Jesus? Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25 say, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. There's an often repeated image of coals in a fire. 
If you've ever seen a coal fire and they're red hot, they're burning bright. But if you were to pick one up and remove it from the fire, within seconds, it would go straight back to black. All the temperature would have gone. And it's often said that it's a little bit like that with Christian community. We come together to spur one another on, to up the temperature in the furnace, if you like. But one of us gets plucked out and taken away and very quickly, quicker than we might realize, things can start to grow cold. Hebrews tells us, do not give up meeting together. Encourage one another, spur one another on, love each other deeply so that the temperature in our communal life is kept red hot. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Jesus doesn't call us to follow him on our own, but he puts us in a community. He puts us in a fellowship of believers who sharpen us towards his image. If you're here today and you wouldn't say that you're following Jesus, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, then Jesus died, as we've already sung, to give you this life, to invite you into this community. Jesus died that you might have a place here, reconnected with him and forgiven of all that you've done wrong because of his infinite love for you. You can receive that gift even here today. Come and join the fellowship. And if you know Jesus here today, then you've committed to follow him. And that means to go on following him, to keep growing in him. Jesus asked us to make disciples of the whole world. And that includes making disciples of each other because we'll never be finished as a disciple of Jesus. There's always another step for us to take and another lesson for us to learn. If you know Jesus here today, please commit yourself to this fellowship. Commit yourself to it not just being community, but always having that dimension of how can I help this person become more and more like Jesus. We might feel small, it might feel fragile at the moment, but that's why we need each other all the more to hold on to through the ups and downs of life, to support one another in all that we're seeking to do with Jesus. Each of us has something to offer and each of us has something to learn. Be open to the fellowship that comes through this place. One final point to offer you from this passage. Alan Crider, this church historian who I've quoted a few times already, he says this. We see that the growth of the Christian community happened despite an evident lack of planning and control. Nowhere in this passage or around it do we see that there was a bishop type figure who said the church must look like this, it must meet at this time on this day and do this kind of thing. No one kind of orchestrated it, wrote it on a chart and said here's how we're going to be. What happened was these people were filled with the spirit and this is what naturally organically bubbled up in their communal life. We will get to a point here of being able to organize stuff, of planning things in. But to be honest, I always see that as kind of the cherry on top. The way I want us to be is that organically we want to spend time with one another. That we're in and out of each other's lives because we've become those sorts of friends 
that we don't have to plan every occasion because we're just woven in each other's lives in a way that you don't really need to plan everything. Sure, we need to find ways of welcoming new people in and letting them become part of this. How do we operate? How can you get involved? Of course, we'll do that. But I don't want you to think that all the answers are going to come from the front. That someone is going to stand here and say, here's how you find community. Here's how you find people to go through life with. Some of that will just come as you invite someone round, as you send someone a text, as you make the effort to invite before you've been invited yourself. Know that the community that we build up here, the fellowship that we long to have is in your hands. And you can play such a part in shaping it here today. Pursue connection with other people. Forgive readily. Persevere gladly. Pray for faithfully. Love unswervingly. Spend time with each other regularly. Look to Jesus joyfully. And all of this and so much more will come. The irresistible church I long to be is one where we're part of each other's lives all the time where regularly WhatsApp messages are sent to encourage people with Bible verses or to assure people of prayers, where we're in and out of each other's homes and lives because we want to be. And we know that by being, we are sharper in our faith and we look more like Jesus. The church I long to be is one where we're the first people we celebrate with. We're the ones that we want to get alongside when things are bad because we know that people will encourage us, relieve the burden from us alone. The church I long to be is a people who I leave feeling inspired by. And I leave feeling like I want to get in front of Jesus again because of what he's done in me through those people. I long to be a church where newcomers become friends and friends quickly become family. And all of this will come, as I've said throughout, as we follow Jesus wholeheartedly, as we open ourselves to the work of his spirit and are filled and filled with him again. And as we devote ourselves to fellowship with one another, not just knowing each other well, but knowing each other well and spurring each other on towards life with Jesus. We're going to spend a few moments now in prayer because I've said throughout that this is a gift that came from the Holy Spirit and if we're going to become a fellowship anything like this one we're going to need his help too 